0: This week's episode would have been brought to you by whichever allergy or cold and sinus medication wanted to advertise on the show because, damn, it's rough out there. Sackett fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackett! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for November 27th, 2017. Coming up on the show, we spin the Wheel of Justice for Gabe, and Bernie closes the door at a surprising week in Avalanche Defenders. But before we play the whoosh, your disembodied voices for the week are, as for always, Earl 6 What's up, Earl?
1: Hey, sports fans.
0: Queen JK is back again. How are you, Jackie? Hello. And Rudo returns. Hey, Rudo. yo. Yo. So, I think you've all heard, definitely by the time this podcast drops, if you're the kind of hockey fan that listens to hockey podcasts, Gabe Landeskog has a hearing scheduled on Monday for his cross-check to the sort of general head and neck area of Matthew Kachuk on Saturday. Before I spin the wheel of justice, uh, let's sort of play the, break the play down. So, noted model human being Gabe Landeskog and noted scumbag Matt Kachuk are both in front of the abs net. Landiskog says, well, we can't have that by any means, and removes him from the area to behind the net. So this is where Kachuk touches him slightly, and that transfers through magic processes some of the scumbagness to Landiskog for a few seconds. So while Gabe continues watching the play in front of the net, he just starts blindly cross-checking the shit out of Kachuk, who gets bent over the net by this, the last cross-check catches him in the jaw, and that's that. So... Before I ask you guys what you think, let's ask the Wheel of Justice. Player is Gabe Landeskog, And it is a cross-check on Matthew Chuck, which I can't spell. There we go. Result was not injured. Spin the wheel. And we've got... It is, like, literally on the line between hockey play and one game, but it
2: gave me one game.
3: That's pretty accurate, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that's about about right. I I was shocked this is even a thing. I I remember the play, I remember the penalty because I couldn't figure out how the heck they got a penalty on that play. So I even rewound it so I know exactly what it was. And okay, probably fair penalty, but a hearing for it. I just these things happen all game long. So the fact that they're taking a look at it, I could see They want to do one game, but or not. Either way, Um, whatever.
4: Some people just have the dope's magic where they get away with everything, and some people don't. And Landy has a record now, so they just watch everything that much closer. And that's why I think they're going to give him a game.
2: Like, did the Flames request this or something?
1: I was going to say, I think the Flames complained about it because it was pretty much a non-issue when I was watching the game. I think he'll get fined, but I don't think he'll get any time.
0: I almost wonder if the purpose of this hearing is to give the Dops the ability to just kind of say, look, Gabe, you cannot blindly cross-check people. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they don't yeah.
2: care. Kerfoot took an elbow to the face. Nobody cared about that.
4: Yeah, yeah, but Gabe's a captain. He's he's not Tom Wilson,
2: and it's Kachuk here we're talking about too. That like Tom Wilson that elbowed Kerfoot, wasn't. It?
0: I thought it was no. I didn't.
4: That, was... that was no. Was Yeah, it was Oshi. But Wilson just has a history of getting away with it.
0: Yeah, well, he's uh, he's his own case. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement that this is sort of on the borderline. Maybe they'll give him a game. I think we. I think we I probably all expect the fine, though, right?
1: I think he'll definitely get a fine. I don't. Uh, if they give him a game, it's just it's ludicrous.
4: Yeah, he'll get a fine for sure. If they're giving him a game, it's because he has a record.
2: Pretty much.
0: Okay. So, also a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the games this week. Uh, we've got a couple of new pro- uh, podcasts coming up this week, a Prospect Pod, an episode on the Rampage, so uh, when should we look for that and what should we expect to hear?
4: Which uh, the wants Rampage to on that Pod is recording probably by the time people are listening to this, and that should be up in the middle of this week, I imagine sometime, and then the Prospect Pod will be at the end of the month.
2: Or end of the week, whichever way you want to look at it.
4: Same thing, I guess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in either of those topics. We're going to go reasonably in-depth into each. At this point of the season, it's kind of a good time to review both of them. Like, the Rampage is the quarter poll, the Prospects one we want to do, kind of um, monthly so it's just kind of a, a good time especially before the ABS play almost every single day in December before we get to the holidays so just kind of a good time to step back and use our last few days off before we get into this
1: yeah I think it's, it's a great time to look at the Rampage they'll have 20 games by the end of tonight and you know with a 76 game schedule it's slightly over a quarter of the way through the season, and they're actually playing well. Just, well, their record is nice. They're not playing that well, in my opinion. But we'll get into that. It'll be
4: an adventure of a podcast, for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> sweet. I'm sure. Aren't they
2: all? Lots of lineup things to discuss.
0: All right, well, let's run down the week. On Wednesday, Avs win 3 to nothing over the stupid Dallas Stars. Bernier was in net for the shutout. As uh, Varlamov has been allegedly battling some kind of sickness, but we don't know what, it's kept him out for quite a while now. Uh, Eric Johnson, Nelli Kupov, and Gabe Landeskog score for the Avs in this one. It was a strong performance overall, as you may expect against a road team who was on a back to back. But the Avalanche haven't traditionally put teams in their place when they're in that situation, so that was super encouraging for me.
1: Yeah, I thought so. I mean, Dallas didn't look like they really had their A game, but. Um, you know that that still could have been very dangerous for the Avs. and and you know they, they took care of business and and put on a good show for everybody.
4: Yeah, it was it was a good game, but it's really easy to shrug off that Dallas hit three posts in that game. Yeah, like it was very very close to being a very very different story, and we could have been really depressed after that. <laughs>
2: And the EJ yeah. goal was a little
4: Yeah, that was a low goal. Lucky.
2: But but they were playing well, so I mean sometimes you get the bounces.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah. the first two goals were low goals in my opinion, but you know that that's how you have to score against Bishop really.
4: But the second goal was so fun.
3: <laughs> it was
1: fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and a shutout's always goal. nice. The Yak Apollo. The Yak Buzzer the Beater. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, that was this week. God. <laughs> it's been a long week.
2: I yeah. know.
4: August just I mean, that... keeps rolling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. Three games in four. All these three games in four days. It does make, make the first game feel like it was like last week or something.
3: Yeah.
0: But yeah, that, that Yak Gold, that the buzzer was something.
2: That's just
1: nice. You know, we've, we've seen this a, a couple times uh, this year. Uh, Avs doing set plays off face-offs and executing them, and they actually work. And I, I know that shouldn't be surprising for a professional hockey team, but, you know, with the Avs, it, it kind of <laughs> is. And it's just, you know, it's, it's nice to see that they can set something like that up and, and execute it and get a goal out of it.
2: And I don't, I don't know if the story's completely true, but something about Yak even thought the period was over and they had to get him to go back on the ice. Yeah,
4: he he did an interview. He said it was standing up on the bench to walk down the runway, and then they added the time on the clock.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I think it was 0.7 seconds on the clock before they reset it to 1.9.
0: Which is convenient because it went in with 0.2 left. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I was watching the game back on, on my D V R and I when it was one second left I just fast forwarded and I was like, Wait, no, they didn't just score a goal there, so kinda <laughs> took the surprise away, but but still yeah. it's when you you know when you get a goal at the beginning or the end of the period like that, it's it's usually usually means you're gonna win.
1: Yeah, and I think Keith or Riker was saying in the in the past couple of games or something like that that the Avs have fourteen goals that are either in the first or last minute of a period. This which season,
2: is good. That's good. Which is really good. Yeah, because
1: I mean, basically Yak's goal. I mean, if you're Dallas, you're just like, ah, screw it. You know, I mean, they they had nothing in the third period.
4: Yeah, it buries teams when twenty percent of your goals are such big momentum swings like that. It's huge.
1: Yeah. And, and then s- Landy comes out and scores a minute and 11 into the third period, and it's just like, pff, you know.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that when it was early, too. So it, it was good to see him kind of take take a game, just, just kind of take control of it. And um, and they played well. They played well in the third. Yeah. To, to
1: preserve the shutout. It was a little bit of a turtle, but I mean, it, again, it was you know they were up three nothing, and Dallas wasn't doing anything dangerous. So yeah, the shot the shot attempts didn't look that super, but <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, there, there was just nothing dangerous there.
4: Well, McNabb was dangerous. He really, really didn't want Bernie to get that shutout. But yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, it started, it, it, they love that stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or or this team hasn't scored on a power play in three weeks. Well, great. <laughs> well, there's there's
0: some three goal leads that you kind of watch and you you cringe at every shot. You're like oh, you know here it comes over the blue line. Uh, that never felt that way in this game. It's like all right, this that the guys have got this. When when that third goal went in, it was like all right, this that that you got it. That's that. And I wasn't yeah. even that worried about the shutout either.
1: No, because just, Dallas just looked completely disinterested.
0: Yeah. The, yeah all it, those posts happened pretty early, and they dried up. It
2: or, was good to see Bernier get the shit out, too. Yeah, of course, some yeah. of oh. us
0: prefer to call the posts positioning saves. <laughs>
1: <Just> <laughs> Perfect that, positioning
0: saves. So should we move on to Friday?
1: Let's roll.
2: Yes.
0: Then, on Friday, abs losing the stupid shootout to the stupid Minnesota Wild, 3-2, after being clearly the better team in regulation. I think most of us felt that way. Uh, Overtime was ugly, but Colorado definitely outplayed the Wild in this one. It's an unfortunate result. Uh, JT Comfer shorthanded and Blake Como with your abs goals in this one. And Comfer actually led forwards with four shots on goal. That surprised me to go back and, and see that. Like, I know that he played very well all weekend, um, but I didn't expect him to actually lead forwards with shots of goal. J- Barry and Johnson both had four as well in that one. Yeah, that, I mean, <clears throat>
1: I, 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 I liked a lot of that game, but it's it sort of, uh, it, it, it's sort of continuing something, uh, a trend that's been happening since the Washington game a couple weeks ago, that the Az are having difficulty scoring. I mean, they, they, they had some really good chances from I think Minnesota's the goal to tie it was five minutes into the second and they had a bunch of chances from then on to go ahead and, and they just they couldn't convert and it's a little a little bit alarming.
4: I I'm not alarmed by it at all. I mean some nights that's just gonna happen. Dallas hit three posts in the game before like we talked about and this time the puck was just bouncing over our sticks at the wrong time, even down to the shootout, and Ranton and heads to lock beat easily and the puck just rolls on him.
0: Yeah, that was a strange, um, strange ice surface in that game. There was guys beefing it that don't normally beef it. The puck was just rolling off of sticks. People were fanning. Like, what are you doing, Minnesota? Do you have Zambezi?
1: Yeah, like, yeah, Comfort had a wide open chance that just he just had a super Bowl instead of a puck there, and it, you know,
2: <clears throat> and Miko too. He had a, yeah. he had a good luck. It kind of goes back to what we just said when a team scores really early into a period or a game like Minnesota did in this game. You know, they could have easily kind of packed this one in and I think it was encouraging to me anyway that they got it to a shootout when yeah. when the troubles that they've had in Minnesota which I think even going I think it was more a few years ago than than lately. But it's just the kind of game where okay, Minnesota scores one or two minutes into the game, we're on the road. You know, it's just, it's just one of those where it would just end up in like a three nothing shutout or something, two nothing shutout.
0: Yeah, so, last year's uh, team gives up that first goal and goes, ah, damn it. Well, yeah. can't win in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah I'm not even last <laughs>
1: sure. We'll
2: play out the rest I'm of the like fifty minutes. Full
1: of turkey.
2: Like, <laughs> <I'm> yeah.
1: <tired. laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, like not even just last year's team, like the last five years team. Like a bad start in Minnesota, you might as well just turn the game off, right?
0: Uh, last year's team would have just been been in disconnected controller mode. The other team was <laughs> at least tried, they just couldn't do it.
2: Well, yeah. Oh, okay. The difference between a five nothing shutout and a two nothing shutout. I don't.
4: Yeah. I don't think so. I think last year's team would have gone ahead two one two and and blew it in the last minute of the third period.
1: Or let in far, four goals in the third period. Yeah, yeah
4: totally collapse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I getting to the OT was good, but I have to say that OT was atrocious besides yeah. Bernier.
0: That OT was alarming. I mean, we saw Alex Kerfoot flub the same puck in the same way on the same spot in the ice twice yeah. in one shift. Yeah.
2: Like, are you and kidding? Then, and then Andrew Ghetto, yeah, he, he wasn't...
4: The green overtime. By the halfway mark, you could see the abs are just like, okay, let's just get this to a shootout.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I mean, the ice was definitely giving people problems uh, all night. Like, I, I remember there's one spot, if you're, you know, if you're watching on TV, it's to your left in that zone on the far wall where people were falling there. Like, I saw Miko fall there and Kerfoot fall there, and I mean, you know there's all kinds of just traps and pitfalls all over the place, so um it's it's hard to play like that, so you know take what you can
0: and it's that there's that spot on the ice on the avalanche shoot twice side on the near side, just right on the doorstep where like four chances mysteriously evaded sticks
3: yeah.
4: It's the next level meta, like growing out the grass on the edge of football fields. <laughs> They're taking the next step
3: here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a few up cracks up high danger high...
0: zones, yeah. So, that
2: was a frustrating game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they deserve to win that game, but then you know in the past, how many games that they lost had, could you even say they deserve to win? You know? So, I don't... I don't know. It, it was frustrating at the time, but looking looking back on it, I don't feel so bad about that one.
1: Yeah, at least they got a point out of it. I mean, yeah. again, like we were saying, they would have lost in regulation last year, and this this year they got a point out of it. So that's a you know, that's a, that's a nice victory.
0: Right. Then on Saturday, a game that would have felt a lot nicer if the shootout had flipped the other direction. Um, Nabs fall to the Calgary Flames, who were also back to back, by the way. 3-2. Miko Rantanen and Nikita Zdorov got the abs on the board, but it was not enough to overcome an outrageously terrible 60 <clears throat> seconds of play at the end of the second period. Ugh. You, you know it's a 20-minute period, right? Yeah. It's not 19? Yeah, it was
1: just... oh. It,
4: uh The first one I can almost forgive. Like, it's bad, but occasionally that happens. But the second one was just not okay. <laughs>
0: The first one was an extremely casual Sam Girard making a pass to an extremely casual Miko Rantanen, and then, oh.
2: Oops. Like, yeah. But if Miko hadn't been standing there, the puck probably would have gone out of the that, zone.
4: That wasn't even like oops. That was like infomercial knocking over the bowl of popcorn.
2: <laughs> <cake>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: to be
4: a better way. Yeah, like you <laughs> couldn't have thrown it better out to the middle of the ace.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, well then what was Barry's pass if you can call it. Yeah that, that was
4: end? awful. <laughs> Barry's pass
1: was a throw.
2: <laughs> a punt. Assist an assist, yeah. <laughs> yes. Some goals definitely deserve assists from the other team. That would have been yeah. one.
0: That was hang on a minute, we don't wear white at
2: home.
3: Oh no. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, they were confused cuz they wore uh the dark jerseys in Minnesota. So, maybe that that was it.
4: Yeah, I bought an away jersey this year and I never get to wear it cuz we're always in our homes.
1: <laughs> um yeah, but you know, I I hate that that one minute is the lasting impression from the game cuz they had some They had some decent periods of play in that game, but, um, you know, it's just giving up two goals a couple seconds apart like that at the end of a period. It just, you you can't overcome that.
4: I mean, I think that was fairly representative of the play in the defensive zone, but the good news is the Avs just weren't in the defensive zone that much.
1: Yeah. And they, they finally had a goal that from Nikita Zadorov that they couldn't find, and, and I'm sure they tried many <laughs> <Yeah>. different <laughs> ways to take this away,
0: but Has they could Has anyone not.
2: double-checked today? Is it still his goal? <laughs> it's, it's still his goal, yes. <laughs> okay. That, I,
0: I go through in the hour before we record, and I do my whole write-up, and I do it from the game report. So yes, the goal is still
2: belonging to Nikita Zadorov.
4: We need in-depth camera pictures taken to prove that someone yeah. was offsides on it or something.
2: Or it could have been tipped. I mean, it went, it went through a few people. Uh, yeah, CBC yeah. looked from,
0: like, five different angles to see whether Sven Endergetto tipped it.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that game, it was sloppy. There were a lot of turnovers. There were a lot of bad passes. That was a hard game to but, watch.
4: Yeah, the Avs looked like a team on the back-to-back. And and
2: yeah. Claims.
4: Yeah, like but that not a
2: player. But like you said, it's not like they got really stuck in the D zone the whole time. It was more just the mistakes, rather than getting caved in. Yeah, they well, that,
1: they didn't they- get dominated. They just went nuclear. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they well, did. they
1: they also had they had a big problem de- developing scoring chances at five v five, which again goes back to this thing that I consider alarming that they're they're really kind of tailing off a little bit at even strength. Um, Z's goal was the only even-strength goal, and that came with, like, three minutes left. So, um, I,
4: I really think the rookie goalie got in their head there. Like, everybody says, oh, it's the rookie goalie, you know, just throw shots in from everywhere, and so the Avs take a million shots from 60 feet out with 18 bodies in front, and
1: it's like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they they really weren't getting a lot of scoring chances in close. Like, the heat map... It looks pretty ugly, and after the first period, it was like... It looked like they were actually scared to go between the dots before they shot, so... <laughs>
0: There's a yeah, giant think, ball in the middle of the ice or something. Yeah, yeah. I think
2: Soderberg had a really nice chance.
0: Yeah, on the break yeah.
2: that, that was a good save, and then he also made a good save on Kerfoot on, on the power play, but...
0: Yeah, I thought the goalie was good.
3: He was good, yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. But the abs made him look start. real good. Yeah. Um, but and,
1: and I thought you know I, I know we're going to talk about this later, but I think Bernier had once again another great game, and when you consider it was three games in four days, um, you know that that's pretty that's pretty awesome that you can ask your backup to do that and he comes through. Oh,
2: we can go yeah, ahead and get into that
0: now. Bernier played all three games this week. He allowed five goals across the three of them. I mean, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he really awesome. needed a perfor- he really needed a performance like this. I think for his own confidence, because I know he's been changing around some things with Park Parkila since the beginning of the season, and it's kind of tough to implement that when you're not playing more than you know once every week or two. So I think having these three games in a row, although it was you know it was kind of overworking him, it allowed him to really get into a rhythm and, and implement everything that he's been learning. So. Um, you know, maybe this will sort of up his play for the rest of the year.
2: Yeah, it was good for him to get the shutout and then get the three starts. That That is a lot of work for your backup, absolutely. Um, there's kind of been split opinions on if Hammond should have maybe been given a game. I mean, I know we're in hindsight now, and you, you couldn't ask Bernier to do any better than he did yesterday. But um, should he have played?
1: No. Nope.
3: Had, or should he, yeah. should he at
2: some
0: point? Should he we, at some point? We had this discussion on the Discord yesterday before the game, and the question was, is second night Bernier better than Fresh Hammond? And the general consensus was, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's pretty much a toss-up.
1: I mean, you know, it's like Bernier, he'd given up two goals in two games going into that. I mean, it's just like, you just couldn't make a case for Hammond, really. No.
4: All right, if you're yeah. going to play Hammond, you have to be prepared to play him for the next 20 games straight, because he's just going to go on a stupid run, or he's going to be terrible.
0: And yeah. they clearly weren't prepared um, to do that, because he's been sent back to Belleville today, so apparently Barley's <laughs> healthy enough to go on Wednesday.
1: <sighs> Thank goodness. She's yeah, good. We need yeah. that.
2: She's good. So I guess the question is, how often should Bernier start now since we're getting into more of a, a an actual NHL, more, um, you know, one day on, one day off kind of schedule where there's not going to be the back-to-backs? You know, conceivably, Varley could take it and run with it for a while. But how often would you guys like to see Bernier start moving forward? I mean, I... I... I think
1: at the beginning of the season they kind of said that they wanted to keep Varley between you know somewhere around fifty five starts, which I think is is reasonable. That's probably maybe cut back a little bit now that that he's missed a few games, but um, it, it, I I think you, you just sort of have to go with how Varley's feeling. I mean, you you definitely do not want to overwork him, and now you do have confidence in Jonathan Bernier, so you know probably. One out every three games, depending on how the the schedule lays. Yeah, I'm
0: um. going to cheat a little bit here. Um, there's one back to back in December, so there's one game Bernier gets at least. Um, they play every other day, starting Wednesday, going through the 18th of December, except for the back to back back to back when they play two days in a row. So, I I would want to see Bernier probably play once a week through December, maybe not yeah. Christmas week, but apart from that.
1: Yeah, that, that sounds reasonable. But I, I mean, I, I think you got to make sure that he gets regular starts, um, but they have to be logical as far as keeping Varley, um, you know, feeling like he's the number one, but not overworking him.
3: Right.
4: I I'm definitely harder on playing Varley at this point. I think this is, if Varley's groin can't hold up for 60 games after this surgery, then we have a serious problem there. So you have to act like Varley can hold up until he breaks, if he breaks, which I don't think he will. Uh, And I don't think we need to play Bernier very much. I don't think he's a long-term part of this team, and he certainly shouldn't matter what the end result of this year is for him. So I think we play 15 games in December, and... At very most, I think Bernier should play four. Uh, that's
0: what yeah, I was, but I'm just, was talking was was playing four games, one a week.
4: That see, even that feels high to me though. Like, yeah, he'll get the back-to-back game. Maybe he gets into one or two more. But if Varley can play fourteen games, I would let him.
1: See, I'm am looking at the end of the year when they're playing every day, and I'd I'd rather I'd rather Bernier take some starts now, and I agree with that. <clears throat> Not work, Bar- not work Varley too hard until we- we're going to need him in February and March.
0: There's a Buffalo in there. You can you can throw Burnie at Buffalo. There's two Arizonas
2: <laughs> in there. You can pick one of those. Oh, they better beat Buffalo, so they need to start Varley. God, that's
1: just I mean, we- it be Buffalo. From what we- I saw, no. oh my
2: goodness, you guys are talking. <laughs> you you guys are talking right now. We're going to lose the Buffalo thing, and I'm going to be there. But <laughs> They're I'm terrible. See them lose.
3: O'Reilly
1: in- confirmed. Absolutely. I'm not even 43. sure they, they dress defensemen. I think they just have five forwards out there all the time.
2: Hey, I'm just <laughs> saying they better win that game. If they lose the Buffalo, I mean, that's just shameful.
0: Yeah, Their, their first line stuff. is Eichel, Eichel, Eichel. Their second line is Eichel, O'Reilly, Eichel. So, good luck.
2: <laughs> but with, with, with Farley, I'm not really worried about him holding up. It's just... Anytime you ride anyone you kind of get diminishing returns at some point not because they can't handle it just because i mean playing every day is or every other day is a lot so I, and Bernier's played well but if you think that varley is the best chance to win every night then i guess you have to play him
4: all right i'll revise my statement a little bit if the avs are giving up a reasonable amount of shots you can play Varley as much as possible. If they want to keep giving up 40, 50, 60 shots when Varley's in that, that's a different story.
2: But that's when he's at his best. (laughs) Well, they they
0: gave up less than 30 in every game this week, so there you go.
4: Right. At that pace, I'm perfectly fine with
2: riding Varley. Yeah, But we should see a lot of him moving forward either way.
0: As long as he's over whatever his mysterious sickness was, I don't know if he got mono or what, but he's been out for a, a while for an illness.
1: Oh, I mean, I've I've had sort of an illness for the last ten days too, so I can I can sympathize with Mr. Varlamov.
0: <laughs> and addition flu, I mean, it, it's got to be something to keep these guys off the ice, especially for a week.
2: I think well, they just don't want to roll him out there where he's you know, like he probably could have played yesterday, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if it was a choice between Hammond or or Varley last night, that Varley would have definitely played. Yeah, that's probably true.
2: And I think it was a good idea not making him go to Minnesota for five minutes and then coming back. Yeah. I think that was smart. Just don't make him travel for one game and then come back.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So thanks for your uh, your time, Andrew Hammond. Enjoy your two days of an NHL paycheck. and go back to Belleville.
1: Welcome to Denver. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> did he even fly back to Denver after the Calgary game, I wonder? Or did he go straight to Belleville?
1: Well, it was in Denver. They were in Denver, in Denver. yeah. yeah. <laughs> he must have been there. I, saw I feel
0: him? like every game was a road game. <laughs> the home white because, thing has because, screwed with me just as much as it screwed with Tyson. Yeah. And me. <laughs>
2: because they wore those home sweaters in Minnesota.
4: Yeah, that and the power play continued to be questionable at home.
0: The the penalty kill is more questionable than the power play to me right now. That's true, that's true. Like, stop letting that putt go across the slot, what are you doing? Yeah.
4: What is a passing
1: lane?
0: The passing lane, a.k.a. the entire zone between your blue line and your goaltender.
1: (laughs) But I, I, Rudo had a good breakdown of this in his video today, and um, I, I I kind of agree that you know that <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's personnel not doing their jobs or if it's Pratt's system not being so hot. But that's it's 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 becoming a, a chronic issue now that, that they really need to look at and figure out.
4: It's just so weird to see. When you look at these goals that end up on like the seam pass, you freeze frame it right before the pass, and you can see all of the avalanche players in the frame, all below the hash marks in one corner of their own zone. And you're like, if you're not covering the passing lanes here, you're covering essentially nothing. So,
1: yeah. And I, again, I, I agreed with you. It's tough to it's tough to say whether he wants people to collapse that much because I don't think he does. Because I don't know why any coach would unless you're Randy Carlisle, um, maybe Patrick Waugh. I, I just I, I think they're just they're they're watching the puck and they're just getting drawn to it like as if it's a, a stone of enchantment. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it just it, it draws them out of position and it, it opens up those passing lanes over the Royal Road and it it's geez, it always goes in. I don't know how they can't see that every time, but here we are.
0: And then so, we sit around and we yell at each other, it was this guy's fault, it was that guy's yeah. fault. And Earl says, no, no, no. Just like every time we have this discussion, the past should not have happened in the first place.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> so is it just that we don't have good penalty killers? Is that is that what it boils down to? Or I, just,
1: I think it's undisciplined penalty killers. I I, I think that I mean, seriously, they're, they're within five feet of where they need to be. If they were just five feet Less collapsed, these things wouldn't happen. So it's 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 really being drawn to the puck, or just being slightly out of position. Um, so
2: then that's maybe something that they can get better at with, ex- or with experience and execution.
1: Yeah, you have to hope so. But you know, a lot of these guys have been killing penalties under Pratt for a year and a quarter now,
2: and it's still happening. So that's it's just struggling. not like they're forte i guess it's nice to see comfort keep getting those breakaways on the penalty kill yeah it's an
0: extremely aggressive penalty kill and that's the result is that the abs forwards getting breakaways like comforts had one lately como's had a couple Landeskog's had one um i'm (coughs) i'm I'm finding nhl.com as we speak i'm gonna see where the avalanche rank in shorthanded goals um
1: that, that play by Landy to, to spring yeah, coffer for the shorthanded down, goal really. was fantastic. I mean, he totally sold out on it. I mean, that was an all-or-nothing play. He had to get that, and he did, and it really worked out well.
2: Yeah, I, and, liked, I like the aggression on it. Yeah, it's, it's nice
4: to see the aggression pushing the puck outward. They just haven't quite seemed to figure out how to do that deep in their own defensive zone. Like, down in the corners, they just kind of seem to get lost.
0: So Colorado are one of ten teams who have four shorthanded goals. The only team with more is the Minnesota Wild, who have five. Well, good for them. Of course, that also indicates that you spend a lot of time on the penalty kill because you have more chances to score short. So is that really a good thing? As we look at the list of teams, which includes Montreal and uh, New Jersey and Detroit and San
2: Jose. Yeah, I still think taking less penalties is also part of the winning strategy there. And not yeah. letting teams get set up in the zone, I think they could do a better job at the blue line.
1: Yeah, yeah. they really could do a better job at that. That's something, and it's much worse 5v5 even. It's that they're, really bad 5v5. Yeah, they're, they're, they are not standing up guys at the blue line at all. We're
4: Swiss cheese at the blue line. It's Yeah, it, I mean,
1: it's, it's if I had to point to one thing that really kills the team and and has all season, it's their play defending the neutral zone. Um, well,
4: yeah, and you, when we play against teams like Ottawa, it's night and day where we are just give like butter at the blue line and we run into a friggin' brick wall.
3: Yeah.
0: That's what happened against Calgary. When we gave up those two goals in three seconds, then... We spend the whole rest of the game trying to crack a shell that we can't crack. Yeah. Once again, this Avalanche team cannot get through the neutral zone if you decide, I'm just going to lock down the neutral zone and don't care if I carry the puck out. Yeah. So, Um, whose fault is that?
1: Um... (sighs) i I mean, I kind of put it on the players just because that's usually a, a, a not a speed issue as far as skating speed. It's usually an issue with beginning the play as quickly as possible. um The best way to defeat any kind of trap or clog in the middle of the neutral zone or even once you get set even once you're getting towards the offensive zone is, is to do things before the other team can get set up and it, it, if you're just sort of lollygagging, that never happens
4: i agree with everything Earl said, but I'm 100% sure that systems is part of it in this case. Yeah. Just I mean, simply they... being from stagnation of abs. try something. Doesn't work. Repeat it. Ad infinitum Forever. Instead of saying, okay, this isn't working. Maybe, you know, we should do something else? Anything else?
1: Yeah, as far as what the, the coaching staff could do to facilitate a quicker you know, start to the breakout or a quicker run through the neutral zone or a quicker entry into the zone, yeah. Um, But what they're doing now, perhaps that doesn't allow, you know, uh, quick decisions like that to be made. I don't know. I mean, it's tough for me to say whether they could do better with what they're doing.
0: I mean, this is a team built with – good skaters with, with speedy people who should be able to fly through there before it's too late. Like, it, There's got to be a reason it's not happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you see good teams that are good counterattacking teams, and the Avs aren't really a counterattacking team, but they kind of need to, to sort of start to <clears throat> bring that into their strategy. Is, as soon as they get the puck – the first thing they're thinking, it's not even they're thinking, it's like as soon as the puck is near them, they're moving it forward. And that's not the way the ABS do. They sort of survey and look for routes, yeah. and think about it a little bit, and maybe we'd do this. And it's just by that time, the other team's standing there like, okay, come at me, bro. <laughs> so
2: so you think that's more systematic, though, that if they were being coached to to make a quick – quicker decision that they would do it or is it that they're just not making quick decisions well the flip side of doing the
1: things too quickly is you turn the puck over a lot because you're you're sort of doing it before you're thinking so maybe the staff is a little worried about the turnovers more than they're worried about going up against the brick wall um, i think tough that's to say
4: for sure there's there's definitely a problem <clears throat> that i've wanted to talk about for a while now That is showcased in the drop pass. Basically, there's two different ways the abs do the drop pass. One is fine, and the other is absolutely terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The terrible way. Now,
0: do the fine way first. Do the fine way. Okay.
4: Okay. The fine way first is every drop pass has two waves of players. Right? You have the first wave that carries the puck up and drops it back to the second wave. (laughs) The first wave at maximum should be three players. Ideally, should be two players or even one in theory, but one almost never works. Then when you drop it back, you're dropping it back to hopefully three players, and you have three players moving through the neutral zone with speed, with the defense having been pushed back by the first wave. That allows you to get through the neutral zone and across the blue line with speed. That gets you deeper into the offensive zone, and then you're set up. But the way the ads do it more often than that is, They have four players in the first wave, and they drop it back to Tyson Berry alone. And now it's Tyson Berry skating through the neutral zone by himself with four guys standing at the blue line, not moving. So... Tyson basically has to carry it across the line himself to make anything happen. And even if he does that, the Avs still have to slowly get up to speed and into the zone. And that leaves them no options at all. It's just complete chaos because no one's set up. No one's in position. Barry has to make something out of nothing there. And more often than not, that leads to a turnover.
0: Yeah. And this is the style of entry that leads to almost every... um, instance of eric johnson leads the rush um and sam Girard has shown that he can get through the blue line with the puck and then it's really hard to make a pass after that because everyone else is like okay i can skate now
4: right yeah it's counteracting their play style of trying to get through the neutral zone with speed and they're actively hurting themselves by not using that
1: yeah um you know and and if you're going to have like the four guys with one guy back then at least two of the guys
0: should be circling instead Yeah
4: exactly of right they standing can't just, there
0: waving. just roll up and chill. Yeah. Yes, like, yes. <laughs> That's that's where i feel like the issue is it's in positioning you've got you don't have a front wave that's four guys you have a front wave that's one or two players but the problem is the extra two are standing on the boards at the blue line Right and then, there's no
1: motion and, there. and that actually creates problems because it draws defenders to them, so that just it even that it, it's, it's like free clog for the You're opponent. actively
4: adding bricks to the wall.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's that, plus you are also in the way. You're not helping.
1: Yeah, so they run into each other all the time, which we always see.
0: We see that wow. happen to Alex Kerfoot almost every game right now. Stop <laughs> skating into Alex Kerfoot. He's trying yeah. to exit the zone.
4: He just watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z and wants to fuse with somebody. Okay.
1: <laughs> I think I think Kerfoot and Miko actually crashed into each other twice last game. I mean, it's just you, you look at that and you're just like, you know, there's a solution here, gotta be.
2: Maybe Bednar just just really wants them to dump it.
1: I mean, you should dump it every once in a while to keep the other team honest, but it, it you know, you have to be able to enter the zone like that somehow.
4: Well. I mean the problem holds the same you need someone entering the zone with speed to recover the dump you can't just stand at the blue line
1: Yeah like if you dump it and everyone's standing still you're never going to get
2: it <laughs> ever <clears throat> Yeah it doesn't doesn't seem like the best strategy that's for sure it, but Yeah and and that's why I
1: I don't think they're being coached to do that I I think it they just end up there and they're like oh shit I'm out of space <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't know. Because, um, I mean, you 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 would never coach four guys to, to sort of stand there and at best sort of be traversing the blue line slowly at entry.
2: But they do it a lot. That's kind of the other issue. I know.
1: They do a lot of things a lot that aren't very good. <laughs> so. You know, it like we were just talking with the PK. There's some problems there that that seem chronic, and they can't be coached to be doing all these things badly.
0: Can they?
2: Yeah, no, that, Dave Parrish is I mean, gone. Could. That's a good question. It, it does seem like you know we've all noticed that they don't don't make a lot of changes after, especially after a loss. It just kind of seems like it falls under the execute better or play harder kind of directive
1: it was just luck that we didn't win the first game so let's do it the same the second yeah
2: or you all didn't skate and work hard enough so just do that and we'll be okay yeah
1: well that leads
4: into you know it's a simple game style and you're not adapting because every team you play has their own wrinkles whatever and the abs just seem to approach everything the same and not try to solve the wrinkles that they're going up against
3: yeah, but they play I,
2: different depending on who they play too like at some point and i think it's way too early for this at some point you you want to say okay this is the avs identity they're going to play this way let the other teams you know work yeah. against that the
4: avs need to impose their will on the game
2: yeah and it just seems like okay this is the game that we're going to skate up and down the ice this is the game that we're going to they play hard on the boards. This is the game that we're going to try to trap. you know?
0: And there has to be a medium between those those two. I mean, you've, you've got to be able, you got to say, here's our game, I dare you to stop us. That has to be a thing. But you also can't always do the same thing because right. you're playing different opponents. Like, there's, and I don't think that you're saying that. There's just, that's just kind of like, let's now also go in that direction. Um, right
2: like the two games against ottawa was pretty obvious because they were playing the same team obviously and then but they approached both games the same way when that was the perfect time to maybe try a few new ideas in the second game and there really wasn't anything like that
1: well yeah, just- and that wasn't new either because carolina and new jersey and vegas all gave them the same problems.
4: Right. It shouldn't even be like a game-to-game thing. If you're halfway through a game and playing, quote-unquote, your style has just been going nowhere, you have to change something up.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I I guess it was sort of nice to see a a little bit of the blender last night in the third period, just because it's not something that they do very often. Um, You know, they'll put out different lines, but you know to make to make changes like putting miko on a different line and then putting confer with with landy and mac i mean that's you know that you don't see that for more than a shift often
4: well we we live in a world where every bench in the nhl has iPads after every shift you can go back look at your shift from an overhead view and say okay this is what's happening and this is how we should adjust and we just don't see enough of that
1: yeah i mean what i'm saying is is maybe <clears throat> some of the changes like I mean, not not necessarily taking Nico off the first line, but but some of those lineup and line shifts probably should have been made in between the two games. I mean, they had a they had a plane flight back from Minnesota, two hours to sit there and, and shoot the breeze about ideas and stuff. I mean, there 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 could have been some changes coming off of a, a loss, even though it was basically a tie. Um you know, to get something different going to, to give a little bit of a different look. Cause I'm sure the the flames were looking at tape of the avalanche versus Minnesota on their flight in
3: mm-hmm. saying,
1: okay, we'll do this and this, and these guys won't be able to, you know, do anything about it.
2: And I, I know we hate when it goes too far the other way too, like in the beginning of last year when they, every game was just like completely different lines and, things like that like they can get out the blender a little too much but i think right now that they've kind of established a good base of of lines and it they could stand to mix things up a little bit knowing they can always go back to kind of their home base like the top line's great with Landeskog and mckinnon and rantanen but i think they kind of need to split that up a little bit to get some more cons- better consistency through the lineup, knowing that you can put that line back together if you need a goal or after a loss or something like, you know, you have that in your back pocket. Now, now's the time to kind of try some new things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love that line. It's very effective, but I'd rather use it as a third period line and, <clears throat> you know, sort of go back to something like we had in the beginning of the year or, Lannisgog and, and Comfer, or maybe Lannisgog and Kerfoot are together, and, and Mac and Miko are together.
0: Anything to get Kerfoot need, away from Wilson.
1: Yeah. Yeah, anything <laughs> to get Kerfoot away from Wilson, and probably Comfer too, because they obviously have zero chemistry. Um, so. And they're both trying to play the same position at the same time. Um, the result
0: is collision.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, they, they've got two practices this week before they play Winnipeg on Wednesday, so... I, you know, that that's enough time to to play a little bit of mix and match and and sort of try to get something different going and, and give the team a different look because it just feels a little stale now and it, it's 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 a little tough to see what the the two lines other than Landy's and Carl's are doing.
2: Yeah, yeah. those two lines have been kind of pointless. They just kind of been there, and it maybe even literally pointless too. But they're with good players or at least decent offensive players you know we're not just talking about leash lines here anymore like these these players can create offense and it's just it's a shame to kind of have two that you have no idea what they're going to what they're doing really
4: it's when you look at the abs lineup there are elevators i think we can all agree that landis kog this season has been an elevator no matter who he's played with and mckinnon and ranton and shouldn't need an elevator at this point yeah somebody else does
2: yeah and yeah, I, definitely. You know, I,
1: I, I think a guy like andrew ghetto is not an elevator but he allows players that are pretty good to play pretty well and he will benefit from that and i think you know if if you're just gonna, if you're going to play him with toninato and whoever's taking yak shifts in, in anywhere but the offensive zone, then that's you know that's kind of a waste of Andrew Ghetto's talents.
2: Yeah, like, yeah. even put Andrew Ghetto back with Mac and Miko. I mean, they could stand to try a few other guys there, too. Like, I think they should try Kerfoot there at, to see what happens. Because I yeah. think that could be a really good line, especially with the way that Kerfoot can give them passes. Yeah. Um, if, if Jost comes back, I think maybe you even try him there. there are, there's others. Yeah, because it just seems like you don't need Landeskog on that line, and then he could help make another line better as well.
0: <laughs> hey, yeah, why, why aren't y'all talking about Jost? Why are you spending so much energy specifically not talking about what Tyson Jost will do when he comes back? Stay tuned. Later on this week, Tyson Jost will be featured pretty heavily on the other two podcasts.
2: <laughs> got him. there you go <laughs> yeah
1: but you know it just to sum it all up you know they it, everything's a little bit stale because it's been kind of the same situation um since they returned from Sweden and they've got two days two practices to you know kind of freshen up some things
0: yeah well the, the forwards have been reasonably stable for the most part um, but apart from Gerard playing with Eric Johnson, the, the defense have still been, you know, kind of up in the air. And I think a lot of that has been that Chris Bigraw has hit a wall, and the wall kind of hit back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's... <I> Struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone
0: for, for all the hate we've given Andre Mironov he had his best game by a mile this week, so... Those two, kind of happening at the same time, may not be great for the playing time of Chris Begroff.
2: Well, Muranov's still playing like nine minutes, so I mean, like it's, it's still kind of great on the Muranov scale. Yeah,
0: it's true. And, yeah.
4: He didn't follow it up very well either. No. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but he had some pretty ghastly things going on against Calgary.
2: Like, I think uh, they, it looked like they wanted to play him more in that Calgary game. He got some decent number of first period shifts, and then he had that terrible turnover, and then it kind of went back to nine minute city.
0: Yeah, yeah, but anyway, yeah. I think the story here is more Bigelow than Miro, though.
4: Yeah, I, I, I mean, this kind of ties back into the nine minute thing, but I think you need to play Bigelow. You need to give him a little a legitimate chance to. Work his way through this wall. You can't play him once every three games for 10 minutes and expect him to figure it out on the ice. You know, watching the game can only get you so much. Eventually, you got to get down there and do it. And we know what this season is. We know there's rookies. We know they're going to make mistakes. Sometimes they got to work through them.
2: The thing is, is, the
1: last few games, he's made the same kind of mistakes. And it's just, it's very frustrating, not only for the staff, but for teammates. Um, to deal with, um, you know, I d- it's 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 bad because it's not like it's a skill that needs to be developed. It's it's a, you know, it's a psychological thing. It's confidence because he has the skills to do what he needs to do out there, and we all know this. We've seen it. Um, you know, he's he's just going through a bad confidence period, and
2: I I think what doesn't help him is Gerard either in kind of an indirect way. Not that. Gerard's taking his minutes or anything but just when you see Gerard out there with the poise he has and then you see Bigra out there kind of like short circuit all the time it looks even worse like like you could be saying okay he's still young whatever but and of course Gerard's special in that area but it just doesn't help when you've seen the poise from someone and then you see Bigra and it's just It is unfortunate, and you do wonder why he hasn't been able to work through
1: that. He had a golden opportunity here, too, with Nemeth and Lindholm injured, and now Lindholm's going to come back for the next game. So it's just, you know, the the door is rapidly closing here. I
4: I just wish they would have gave him, like, five straight games at this part of the season. Because you saw him in, in the early parts of the season. He was so confident, and he looked solid out there. And then he started making mistakes and the confidence just completely tanked. He's got to find a way to get it back. And I think he can, but he can't do it from the press box.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like what we talked about with Zidorov, either a week or two ago. And it has been good that Zidorov seems like he's solidified his spot. And we're not talking about him in this regard anymore, but it's just, yeah, like, how is B-Grog gonna get better if you don't play him? But then, there's also just kind of, the Barbario thing, too, yeah. is he yeah. makes tons of mistakes, and he gets... Never sits. Gets, uh, seems like a forever leash, and I think it's because he's kind of the vet, the crutch. I mean, he's... He's not so much a vet more than the others. He's not like a Beauchiman out there, but he's the one where if Bednar wants to send someone out with EJ and call it the, you know, the shutdown shift, <clears throat> he puts Barbario out there. And it's like if you take that away and all you have Barry and E J and basically four rookies, you're not giving him a whole lot of I guess a crutch or reassurance or anything like that. I just don't see it happening. Like, uh, If it's a choice between <laughs> Barbario and Nemeth, then maybe, but like, if it's just if Nemeth is whatever the hell is wrong with him, if that continues, I just, I don't see Barbario ever coming out of the lineup. And, and I know Bednar's been good about the youth movement, but I think once you get in the game and he sees that they could win the game, it's just, I think it's just natural reaction. It's like, I cannot have that many rookies all at the same time.
1: Well, I agree with that because I just I, I i would be i would be scared to death to have two rookies out there, especially if it's sort of like B, Gra, and Miro, let's say. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's tough having two guys in the lineup like that that need to be minded, um, and he obviously considers Barbario a minder. And that's, that's a problem all in itself. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Barbaria makes really quick decisions. Sometimes yeah. they're good.
1: Exactly. Um And that's, you know, I, I understand where the coaching staff is coming from, where it's, it's tough to, to imagine putting two guys with very little experience out there together at the same time, but it's just, you know, you, you've got to find a way to work around that and, and, and try and not use Barbario as a crutch if he's hurting the team otherwise.
3: I just think and he's in the way.
4: It's, it's so hard, right? Because he started off the season and everyone was like, whoa, Barbario's actually playing decent defense to start this season.
1: He's on the PK, wow. <laughs>
4: and it was decent. It was, <laughs> no one was like, oh my god, this is a disaster until it was.
0: Right. And What's up with ne- with Nemeth, by the way? Like, he seems like he's out forever, and I
4: don't know why. Yeah. Didn't he have like three different injuries or something? Does he
0: have
3: sonitis?
1: Yeah, like, he... what is this? <laughs> I think he fell off a building.
2: There was an article when they were in Sweden that mentioned it was a back issue. I have no idea if that's what his issue is now, but it just seems like when anyone talks about Nemeth, it's like, oh yeah, he's he he's not close. You know, it just seems almost like you're asking about like. Kamenev or something, like, oh, don't count on that guy for a while.
1: Yeah. yeah. But like well, the, obviously with... his shoulder was really hurt in that fight, and then the back issue from the, that article you just mentioned, and, and I think he's got a lower body issue as well, so... Yeah,
0: yeah bonitis.
1: Nemeth out with bonitis. a broken body.
0: Maybe yep. he's got David Jones disease. <laughs>
1: he's making too much money? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, do y'all not remember when David Jones came out for a shift, tripped over the blue line, and got injured?
4: I was too busy trying to figure out how many dollar bills he made doing that.
1: Four by four.
0: Four million for four years equals one David Jones money, as we all know. Um, but especially with, with Lindholm coming back, like, by Barbario Barbario's in the way. Yeah,
4: I yeah. think the Barbario decision has to come sooner than later now. In I,
2: I think... I think they're going to decide between one of the young guys. I don't think Barbaro going anywhere. I, I, I think, think
0: you're well, right, but I don't yeah. think it's the right
2: decision at all. Right, exactly.
1: Well, I think they want to be able. I, I think they want one of these guys to take Barbario's job, and they just none of them have done it decisively. I think Lindholm probably could, uh, just because he's he's more of the stay at home guy. They want Barbario to be, and he's you know he's a, a little more experienced on the pro side compared to some of these other fellows. Well, but it, I get. Until that happens,
4: I mean, at least we're inching there. As the yeah. starts to look better and better, you no longer have the use of scratching him anymore. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's really nice that he's finally stabilized. Here's hoping it stays that way.
4: Ball, yeah. oh, please.
2: Yeah, if they can solidify the top four with the with the forward that we want, you know. E.J. Barry, Gerard, and Zadorov. Then, then we're just worrying about the bottom pairing, and then that's that's a pretty trivial concern at that point.
4: Yeah, most non-contenders have a lot of flux in their bottom pairing. It is what
1: it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's part of how developing defensemen outworks, works. So, what are you going to
1: do? I think if Lindholm can become, you know, dependable on a regular basis, and I, I think they do think of him that way. That he could open up the door for Barbaria to be scratched and have a Lindholm Bigra pairing. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably the best for everybody on the on the third pairing.
4: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: So, uh, before we move on to stars and scratches, uh, I was kind of looking at the standings just to kind of see how tightly packed everything is because it is very tightly packed in out west especially in the Pacific where um Vegas is leading the division with 31 points um so shout out to literally everyone for predicting that uh, <laughs> confirmed rigged Calgary is third with 27 points and then the wild cards are occupied by San Jose and Vancouver who both have 26 and then you have 25 25 25 24 24 points between Chicago, Dallas, Minnesota, Colorado and the stupid Ducks so and they've all played a pretty much the same number of games, like you're not talking about a huge number of games in hand for anyone here
3: like, yeah I think we
1: is, have one on some people, that's about yeah, it
0: yeah, like this is a ridiculous race we have one on Minnesota, Dallas and two on Vancouver Yeah. meanwhile so, Arizona have played the most games in the league twenty-six, uh, <laughs> and, and have that's done nothing amazing. with them they have 15 points by out. they have fifteen points out. It's it's, it's that's getting plenty. they're catching Edmonton.
4: The forty eight point race is on.
0: Um but well, yeah we're on
1: pace for sixty. Just,
0: <laughs> it's really tight. It is, anyone could have a good week and combined with someone else having a bad week, just suddenly find yourself in the top wildcard spot. Ta da
4: yeah. unless you're Edmonton.
0: I mean, well yeah. But they have 18 points. I'm talking about these specific... specific Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah.
2: Anaheim, I think you're probably screwed.
4: They just can't get healthy, man.
2: (laughs) They always go on a run in the second half, though.
1: I was going to say, once they do get healthy, once they do get the two defensemen that they've been missing all season back... And I know they're going to be missing a couple of forwards they really need for longer than they'd like. But
4: I don't know if this is true, but I heard somewhere that they have so many injuries even on the forward core now that Chris Wagner was playing in their top six. So. <laughs> he's
2: he's been their second line center for real. Yeah,
4: so that's where they're at right now.
0: All that will go he nicely to with the uh, with the title for this episode, which is recovering the dump.
1: He's a raider. <laughs>
0: um. Stars and Scratches, who's been good for you this week? I'm going to throw mine to JT Confort Holla.
4: Yeah, definitely. He He's the energy guy now. And he has yeah. skill, too, but seeing him take on that role is nice.
0: I'll mean, give mine spend... to Bernier. Yeah, that's a good shot, too. We've already spent plenty of time yeah. talking about both those guys, so who do we want to name for our third star?
2: I always want to say Landis which I know, with him facing a suspension. And <laughs> did, he did have a few bad moments yesterday, but so did pretty much everybody. But I think yeah. in general, he's, he's been pretty solid. Again, playing a lot of minutes. Um, his effort on the shorthanded goal, which we discussed. Um, helping that top line, I think, do well. He scored the third goal in the Dallas game. So, uh, I of the forwards, I think he gets my star.
0: Okay. Any honorable mentions?
4: I mean, McKinnon put up four yeah, points every- in three games. They added an assist to Rantanen's goal to him, so...
0: Did they finally? Yeah. Good.
2: So when know. those
0: unassisted live, I was like, "Really?"
2: Yeah, they've been stingy at the Pepsi Center on the assists. It's like, come on, nobody's getting to seventy points if we don't start handing out some assists here. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then, how will we exist in the Avs Talk channel without a seventy-point score?
2: Yes, <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> so, who wants to go first on uh, the scratch side? There's a few choices this week.
1: I think we've all voted Barbario for number 1.
2: <laughs> That's kind of the, the low-hanging fruit choice, I guess. Yeah. There's just, like
0: I mean, this is kind of like picking up uh, or picking on Bochman at the end of last year. Like is there anything that Barbario really did this that bad this week? No, but did he do that... anything that good either?
4: He did some bad
0: he did some really words.
1: bad stuff, man. Yeah, he <laughs> passed it right to some dude for yeah. the first goal on on Friday. There are
4: some like handcuffs with Bednar's face on them, holding him to the scratch, though. But so
2: I'd Can say he, Barry. Yes. I mean, yeah, he he plays he game. plays a lot, and it's not like he's he's he did nothing all week. But it just, I think it was one of those weeks where I, he probably did more bad than good.
4: I mean, it was like a so-so week, and then the Calgary game happened, and it became an unmitigated disaster.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is one of Barry's worst weeks in a while, and what I I mean with Barbario not doing anything that bad is that he didn't do anything that bad that no one else also didn't do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. As far as Barry goes, I mean, I think whatever was wrong with him is not completely healed, and he's he's playing with either one leg or one shoulder or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. There was a play yesterday where he went in Corner and just just completely failed. failed (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah. He's, I mean, he's not, he's not one hundred percent. But, but you know, you can do about that. (laughs) But
2: it's because we we know because he missed a game. But it's like tough. We also don't know who's dealing with what. Like you know, Miko could be you know, for example, you just. It's hard to say, well, that that guy isn't doing so well because he's probably a little bit injured. Well, I mean, they they probably are. A lot of them are. And we don't know it. Yeah.
0: Well, Barry was going to be mine, so what other two are we looking at?
2: I feel
4: like, again, Uh. you have... You could say Colin Wilson and now you're starting like a chain game of people all connected now by you're their my roster language. decisions. <laughs> like-
2: yeah, yeah, you're I mean Andrew Ghetto, he didn't have a good yeah, week. He was that's literally true. scratched. Um he was in great in the overtime. You know, it we know kind of its situation. He's not getting the ice time. He's he's playing with Toninato, who I think played well, but I mean still it's not like a real line. Um
0: <laughs> He's not a super high skill guy.
2: Yeah, and it just, it hasn't been the greatest week for Andrew ghetto. that's for sure.
0: Some of it you can blame on him, some of it's a little bit his situation, but I will definitely not disagree with you.
1: Yeah, I like the Colin Wilson thing for the scratch.
2: Yeah, I don't think he did much this week. He didn't do much this week at
1: all, but I mean well, did he you do- know what he actually did because he played a lot. He was in the top <laughs> six forwards for ice time at five e5 for two games and that's not good that's not good at all
0: <clears throat> we can give honorable mentions to Simeon Varlamov's immune system
1: yeah I was going to say the flu should get a scratch
0: um, and it's, it's it's not a full scratch it's an honorable mention of course, but we I think we saw this week. Um, that Sam Gerard is human and is very guilty of making extremely casual plays from time to time.
3: I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he was think that, that bad. Was I, didn't
0: think, yeah. I didn't think he was that bad. I thought I like, was saying. Been, I've so been saying for while, the whole
4: week, like, he's a human being, you guys. Yeah. He's gonna come back down to Earth.
0: Yeah, And it's finally happened in the last couple of games where you just see him not quite push it like he probably could.
3: But, but he's, he's still, still very nice good, though. Of course, too, of course though. he's like, still
0: very good, and of course, he's still making good plays. It's not—he's not a scratch. He's an honorable mention.
2: I—I well, I mean, if he's a scratch, then you could pretty much scratch every everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy still creates about ten zone exits a game, at least. It just...
1: And the stuff he does with like, catching the puck on his stick, like, some dude shot it and he just kind of knocked it down and then started skating away with it, and it was just insane. I mean, the things he does like that, you're, you're just bewildered.
2: Or he he covered the back door on Bernier. Could have been a sure goal. Yeah. Like that.
4: that had me more excited than anything. It's like, oh, if he can actually play defense too, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Imagine all that put together without the random bits of lazy plays. Yeah. So uh, we need to get a ho- go ahead and get up out of here so you guys can watch your Rampage game. Um, the Avalanche schedule is about to get busy, busy. It's 11 games in 20 days. On Wednesday, Colorado are at home versus the Winnipeg Jets. That's a seven thirty mountain start, followed on Friday by a home rematch with the New Jersey Devils. That was a 7 mountain. Finally, on Sunday, the Stars are back in Denver for a 6 o'clock mountain start. Colorado wrap the homestand versus the Sabres next week, and then head out east. So, Jets, Devils, Stars, all at home, what you got?
2: <sighs> they really should get four points. They really, really should. They they need a good homestand. This is, like, exactly where the problem started last year, or the, the real big problem.
4: Cue Jaws
2: team. So, they need... <laughs> They need a couple wins on this homestand just to fully get past that mark, I think. I hope for four points.
1: I'm pessimistic. I don't think they'll beat the Devils. Um, I don't and think they'll it, beat the Jets either.
2: The problem is playing Dallas again so soon. You almost they'll feel like Dallas that's, that's going to be. I, I just I don't like playing this team that. Dallas
4: plays a good brand of hockey
0: for us, though. (laughs) The Devils are 14, 5, and 4. Holy
2: I think they beat the Devils and they lose to Dallas. And the Winnipeg one is probably gonna be the swing game.
4: This is the week that we give ourselves as a fan base a whole bunch of hope again, so we can all implode when we lose the next back-to-back. So we're getting six points.
3: Wow, that means
4: Run the gamut here. <laughs> Varley wasn't sick; he was just getting a bunch of uh, super-secret injections to make him into an actual brick wall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was becoming the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I think three to four points is probably the right range. I lean more towards the three. Um, I would love it to be. I I I think that they'll they'll probably fall to Dallas this time around. And just don't be the same team this many times in a row. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing whether it's Winnipeg or New Jersey that they beat. It'll be one of those two, and those are both good teams, so that'll be good. I'm also looking forward to seeing who Zadorov destroys against the Jets.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm. I don't know. I, I don't think they'll win that game. I mean, they might, but uh, I think I'm really looking forward to that game. I think that's a great test for the ads.
2: Oh, no, they're going to need more than Landy to be physical in that game, though. Oh, they're going to need. And if need and if I Landy's not playing, somebody's going to have to set the tone because they cannot beat the Jets if they don't play physical.
4: Well, Shifley's not allowed on the ice without Bufflin to bodyguard him, so.
2: Or call up AJ Greer and
0: tell him, hey, you know how we were saying to to stop doing crazy things? I would lie. Go do crazy things.
1: <laughs> this is your go crazy, go nuts game. <laughs>
0: that would be nice. Well, at any rate, whoever uh, comes up on the receiving end of Nikita Zadoroff on Wednesday, you know, you can find out here. I think we're probably going to be recording on Monday again next week, which I think. Cannot stand doing, but that's the schedule. Um, You can always catch the latest podcasts at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or at mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio. Follow us in your favorite podcatcher. Follow us on iTunes, where you can subscribe, rate, and review and do all kinds of fancy stuff. Um, We post a show every week to Burgundy Rainbow, where you can leave comments and yell at us about the audio quality or about how your questions didn't get answered, even though they were awesome questions. And shout out to Jackie's uh, very good... Mailbag this week for picking up the question from Andrew Windermere that we missed last week. Um, so, yeah, like I said, probably a Monday night, Tuesday morning release for next week's show. Head up, dirty areas. See you then.
2: That was just a I,
4: final nail though. Like I I it was on the they, wall already. They
2: thought they could trade him, that he was that they were gonna move him in the Duchesne trade or
4: I mean that's true. They thought they could trade players like Tootin, too, so
0: <laughs>
2: well,
1: that's dumber than thinking he was gonna make the team.
2: I just don't I mean <laughs>
0: that was a convenient excuse. He might, he might make someone else's team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: He won't make our team, but I'm sure someone else wants him. I mean, come on, what kind of logic is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but this is the ABS. That's what they think. Like, these players aren't good enough for us, but hey.
4: If we wave him wanna... and don't say anything, when someone claims him, we can act like he was on their team all along.
0: <laughs> what do you mean I have to pay half his salary? What are you talking about? He was (laughs) never on his team.